Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode 414. Customers like to see the founder. They like to see the face behind the brand. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue. And as always, I'm thrilled and honored that you've chosen to spend time with me here today. We've covered so many facets of a handmade product business over the course of the years, and today is no exception. We've talked about how to start and grow your business, stories from many of you who have done just that, how to choose and use social media sites, build your website. Oh my gosh, there is just so much information here for you, but not necessarily at your fingertips. So I've made a tool for you that categorizes by topic the episodes of this podcast but only the ones that stay relevant over time. Because yes, let's face it, there are past shows that just don't work anymore for us today. The world is changing so fast, right? You can use this tool to zero in on whatever topic you need at the moment. Do you want to hear from others in your specific industry? How about details on Pinterest or setting up an email strategy? you can now easily find the right episodes and create your priority listening roster. Consider this your gift biz resource center at a glance. It's a Google Sheet, best viewable on your computer versus your phone. Make sure to look on the bottom where there are five separate sections for easy topic reference, kind of like chapters of a book. It makes finding the shows to help you with what you're working on right now so much easier. To access this free resource, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash topics. Today, I'm bringing back a past guest to address a topic that deserves more attention because understanding and utilizing this strategy can help you more easily create customer communications and add depth and variety to the messages you send out. This applies to all touch points from social posts, email content, and what you include on your website. What I'm talking about is user-generated content, and Lauren has niched down her business to focus solely on this. To be honest, I entered into this conversation with the idea that what we were talking about was one thing, and Lauren expanded on it by defining user-generated content in a much broader way. So you're going to hear both what I expected to cover and more. We'll start by sharing this new updated definition of user-generated content and then dive into the specifics and applications you can use and apply to your handmade business. Today, I'm really excited to bring back Lauren Schwartz of The Loft 325. She is a thought leader in producing profitable creative strategies for e-commerce brands and a design professional with over 15 years of experience within the digital space. Lauren's passion lies in generating top-performing ad creatives. She's personally led the creative strategy for top brands such as Love Wellness, 
Needed, Kate Farms, and Auto Brush. When not working with clients, Lauren teaches others her profitable creative methodology, focusing on direct-to-consumer advertising, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. She also spreads her knowledge as an ad world conference speaker, which she's been doing for the last three years. Lauren, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast again. (laughs) Thank you for having me again, Sue. (laughs) I'm really excited to have you here, and I'd love to kick it off with an update of what's been going on since January of 21 for you. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) It's just been busy. I kind of restructured my business a little bit, really focusing on user-generated content, content creation, working a lot with brands for TikTok and really just helping them figure out a better strategy on how they could actually utilize content creators for their paid advertising. So we still work with brands doing ads, utilizing their existing creatives, but we really did a focus on user-generated content really heavily last year in 2022, just because again, TikTok has been such a huge uprising, I guess, within the paid space. So really started to focus heavily on that. Got it. And that's perfect. That's why you're the best guest I can have for this topic, (laughs) because I feel like we've talked about user-generated content over the course of time, but it's always been added to a list, like different types of content you can use for social media posts, you know, so it gets talked about a little bit, but not really diving in like I want to today. Right. So this whole show, all I want to talk about really is user-generated content because I feel like it's really been underutilized and it's a huge opportunity for everybody. Yeah. So with that, let's kick it off so that everyone's on the same page here. What is user-generated content and its value? There's different forms of user-generated content. I mean, essentially the term user-generated content is someone, an individual, either someone who's purchasing your product will give a review or testimonial and talk about the product that they have, that they've either purchased from you. There's also influencer content, which I think gets a little confused with user-generated content, and then there's content creation. So (laughs) there's so many different definitions of it, but essentially what it is, is someone just really shooting content on their phone, talking about a product, sharing it with their audience, and really making it look as native to the platform as possible. So that's what content creation, user-generated content is. Again, it's changed in so many different formats with how it's being talked about and utilized. Influencer content is more of a brand sending a product to an influencer where they're essentially sharing it with their own audience. They're shooting it in their aesthetic the way that they want to talk about the product, not necessarily Mm -hmm. brand focus. And then content creation again, is still user-generated content, but you're essentially paying actors, content creators to shoot the product aesthetically so that it's pleasing to the audience so that it can be run in an ad, run in organic. So again, there's different definitions of it, but essentially that's what it is. Okay. I'm glad we started there because when we have brought this up on the show before, user-generated content has always meant content coming from somebody who is using your product. Right. And what I'm understanding from you is that's a subset of it. So it could be coming from a customer. Right. 
It could be coming from an influencer, either micro or macro, you know, because there's both that we talk about these days, Mm -hmm. or it could be content that you're creating yourself is still user generated content, right? So it's all three of them together. Basically, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Okay. So that's really good because now we're all grounded. I needed to be regrounded in what this was too, or what we were going to be talking about. So how do we approach all three of these? Should we be using all of them, a portion of them? Like get us started if we're not really understanding what this could all mean in application to us as product-based businesses. Yeah. So again, I would say obviously influencer content, that's going to be a lot more expensive. I would say influencer content is more focused around brands who have larger budgets. So I would say in terms of a handmade business or product-based business, I probably wouldn't go the influencer content route. I'd probably stick more to the content creation, user-generated content. I think with the user-generated content, if you're getting started, again, it's always great to reach out to your customers. Ask them if they would send you a video testimonial, how they like the product, how they're using the product, where they've put it in their home or how they've used it. And reaching out to your audience is definitely great to do because again, like it's giving that welcoming sense of, okay, well, I want to hear from you. I want to know how you like the product. The only thing with that though is that a lot of times customers don't know how to shoot content. Unfortunately, that's engaging. And so with that, you get content back. But a lot of times, it's either a 30 minute video, or people are rambling, or they don't really know how to shoot the product. And so it makes it really hard to kind of pull those snippets out for a brand to actually use. Whereas if you are paying a content creator to shoot content for you, that is specifically their job, like they will receive the product, know how to shoot it. So that again, it's very engaging. They know what kind of lighting to use. They know what kind of scripts they need to say in order to make your product sound very enticing and exciting. But then they also make it look very native to the platform. So again, yes, you paid that person to do it. But they've made the video in a way that looks like they just natively posted it to the platform. So as an audience member, if you see that you look at it and you think, Oh, okay, great. Like this is someone who has purchased the product and they know, like, this is what the product's about, basically. So you're using actors in your photos or videos, really? Yeah, basically. I mean, these content creators that have really come up within the last year, that is essentially their job. They are paid actors to basically shoot product and testimonials for these brands to make it look native to their platform so that they can share it organically or through paid media. Okay. That sounds awful expensive, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling you what I know all of the listeners are thinking. Yeah. Like, what do you think for a small business of any level? Because we have people who are just starting and people who are well-established with decades under their belt. But I don't think we often think of the value of paying. Yes, we pay for product shots that we're going to put on our website, but we don't always think about paying for advertising and actors and content creation, if you will. Mm -hmm. Is this a new thing that's coming and is it kind of going down to smaller brands or what are you seeing with that? Yeah, I think for smaller brands in particular, like it's scary to think about. It's just like, oh man, like another thing I have to do to get my business out there. I don't necessarily have the budget. I think the best thing a smaller brand can do is as an owner or a founder, get in front of the camera and start talking about the product yourself. 
a lot of times customers like to see the founder. They like to see the face behind the brand. And so I always tell people, you know, like if you're just starting out, you as the owner should start. Because again, like they want to see the raw content of how the products made or what exactly what items you use to make it kind of like behind the scenes things. And a lot of people resonate with founder videos. So it's a cheap way to get your product out there. You're a founder, you already know everything about the product. So you don't necessarily have to pay anyone to talk about it. And then I would say for using these content creators, there is a lot of content creators that you can use that don't necessarily charge you a lot. Sometimes they just want to swap for free product. And so and again, you can kind of do a trade, I'll give you product if you send a video for me. So there's different ways that you can do this. I would say that I would invest in it if it's something that, you know, if you're already investing in product photography, product video, I would definitely set aside budget for content creation because the way that social media is going, Instagram videos are huge. It's video everywhere. TikTok video, it's shorts, YouTube shorts. So it's definitely a value that you will see if you put the time into it and invest the money in it. So I would definitely say it's something that brands should be doing. Well, and maybe you invest in a higher quality video that, again, looks very authentic and in line with your brand, but only placing them in certain places and something that you can use for years. Right. It's not every single time you make a new product necessarily. So if you create the content of that video to be something that's more, quote unquote, evergreen, then that investment goes further for you. Exactly. Yes. And so where would you advise someone to put those types of videos, the evergreen ones that you have paid a professional to do? Where would we place these videos? I would probably put them on my website. I mean, there's definitely Mm -hmm. sections of the website that you can put it on. I would definitely add it to my Instagram, a social media platform that you essentially can have someone talking about it, even your product pages, really. If you have your product page and you're scrolling through and you have someone giving a really great testimonial or video, adding that element of video into your product page, people will watch it. They want to see someone using it and talking about it. So that's definitely a place that you could add all these videos to, especially the evergreen ones. I'm also thinking like introduction emails, you know, someone who's just bought your product and you're starting that automated flow into getting to know them. And maybe also another thing I think is it doesn't have to be the full video. It might be just a couple of clips from a video too. So you can take that and repurpose it however you want. I'm thinking it probably depends on the contract you have with the videographer for sure. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can you give us an idea of pricing of some of that? If you were just doing like maybe two or three videos a minute a piece, maybe like what are we looking at by ranges? Again, it depends. I think if you're working with a content creator who will edit the video themselves, they have packages where they start from 200 and they go all the way up to a thousand per video per video. Yes. Okay. Some of them will come with packages too. So they'll kind of separate it out where they'll give you two videos for one price. But the only thing that will change within those videos is maybe the first three seconds. So then you're getting at least two kind of hook variations where it's still technically the same video, but they're maybe changing the first three seconds. And then you can kind of use that in different places as well. 
So again, it kind of depends on the range, but I would say like the lower end would definitely be from 300 to a thousand dollars. Okay. I like that idea of having some of the, either the intro portion or the outro, like something adjusted where you can use the same inner content. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, honestly, if someone adds one video a year to their business updates and then still uses the past one, this doesn't have to be a one and done $10,000 investment necessarily. Right. Unless you want it to, unless you're big enough, right? For those who are, can definitely do it that way. So you made me start thinking because I've never really thought about actors on video before. (laughs) So what if somebody wanted to use a friend and like have them act? Yes, you can definitely do that. The only thing with that is that if I were the brand and I am utilizing a friend, the main things I would look for when kind of outreaching for that sort of content I would look at their socials. I would see how comfortable are they actually talking on camera because a lot of times people will get on camera and they freeze. They'll silly. They don't know how to act. They feel like they are quote unquote acting. And so it's just awkward. There's so many people right now that are posting reels and stories. And I always look at if you are very natural in front of the camera already, then you can be coached. And so if someone's giving you a script on I want you to talk about this product. This is how do you use it? How do we talk about it? Or if they want to do an unboxing, they can essentially shoot themselves, you know, talking and also shoot themselves doing an unboxing. So it's definitely something that they can do. But in terms of looking for people who are actors that you know, I would always make sure to look at their social and just see how comfortable they are talking in front of the camera, because that's going to be probably the biggest thing for them when doing that sort of content. Yeah. And I'm thinking more like if you have an acquaintance or someone, to your point, you've kind of filtered out that they're natural. Right. So I'm thinking about whether if you have a friend who you feel could be a really good fit and you're actually willing to pay them for it. Yeah. So like to your point, you send them a product. My now daughter-in-law used to do this with one of her old businesses and she's actually got another job doing something similar. But she in the past has worked with photographers all over the world. And they sent product. And then she also had a sheet. So it had guidelines of what to do Mm -hmm. when they're taking photos. Now, this was never video. It was all photos at the time, right? Right. But if you're paying somebody, I don't think it's a problem to do something like that, where you have the guidelines. Like, here's the way you make the lighting right. Here are some points that I'd like you to capture. I want this to be a lifestyle photo where it's not just of itself or unboxing to your point. Yeah. So I think if you're paying somebody, you could send along that guide sheet that you create once and then send it out whenever you find yourself in a situation like that. Yeah, definitely. So when we work with our content creators, we have an entire sheet of guidelines items that they can, you know, bullet points that they can talk about in terms of the brand, what we want them to point out. And then we also have a lot of do's and don'ts. So you can't say this, or you can't say that don't film with this lighting or like there's different guidelines that we do set forth to the creators, but it's basically just a bullet pointed sheet that they can look at so that when they're actually going through and they're looking at the content that they need to shoot, obviously we want them to be as natural as possible. So we just give them these highlighted bullet points of we want you to talk about these things, but use it in your own way that you would talk about it so that it does sound natural. You know, you don't want it to sound scripted. You want it to sound natural. So definitely I mean, if you're paying someone to do these things, you can give them as many guidelines as possible. 
it's it's your product and your brand. So you obviously want it talked about in a certain way, but then you also don't want to make it so overly, I guess you don't want to have so many guidelines that then it just doesn't sound natural because they're trying to figure out what I should say, where it doesn't come off in a sense of, oh, well, this just doesn't sound good. Right. Like you're trying to fit them in some very rigid box or something. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So definitely not sending scripts that they're supposed to read from or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's focus on user-generated content from the way I remember the term being used, where you try to organically get people to send you photos or tag you on Instagram shots or do an unboxing or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the value and do you see receptivity to that kind of a strategy today? I mean, it's still good to have that because you still want people organically posting about your products. I mean, that's still always great to have within your asset library. In terms of how effective it is, I don't know necessarily the effectivity, like how effective it is, because right now, so many people, so many brands are understanding that high quality video in terms of how it's shot, how I'm going to grab your attention. So the landscape has changed so much that I just don't know if those are as effective as what is currently happening with content creators. So are you saying that more refined professional videos are now outshining the organic picking up the phone and talking into the phone? No. So it's more, I guess, more just of the paying a content creator to shoot the content as a, with their phone as opposed to organically having like customers come in. Again, like it's still good to have, but with that sort of content, like I said, you're not necessarily always getting the best content. So it doesn't always generate as much leads or clicks or buys with that sort of content, but it's still good to have. Okay. What about an organic program that kind of auto generates itself? Like if someone purchases a product from you Mm -hmm. and you send, let's say an online receipt, or you put something in the box with the product. And you say something like, take a picture with you in your gorgeous new earrings and post it on Instagram, make sure to tag so-and-so or something like that, that you do for every single customer. Mm -hmm. Reviews, another perfect one. Yeah. Love to have you review online and then people will take sometimes those reviews and throw them up on social. Mm -hmm. What do you think of those that are kind of baked into your communication strategy with customers? Yes, definitely. I don't think that's, again, it's still great to have that sort of organic people taking photos, people giving you authentic reviews. I necessarily don't think that it's a bad thing to do. I would always have that in your strategy because again, you're still getting content organically that you can use within your socials. So yeah, I definitely would say still keep that. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's not going to hurt not having it. I would just say, like I said previously, if I'm shooting more content to sell my product, I would say user-generated content, content creation would probably be the better way to go in terms of adding that in. I would have more of that. Actually, I probably have 50-50, where it's a lot of people sending you photos, video testimonials, along with people actually shooting the product and giving more of a actor-related approach. I would almost, to my way of thinking, put influencer marketing in with the paid content creators that you could kind of think of them as a group together. Exactly. So 50% where they're more structured, more thought out, 
content and photos Mm -hmm. that you're probably paying for or you're trading product for, as you'd mentioned earlier. And then 50% some that I just use the word organically because it's easier. You have it in your processes and someone leaves a review so you can take the wording of that review or you're at a craft show and someone buys your product and puts it on. You say, hey, can I take a picture of you in those new earrings, whatever, using the same idea. So 50-50 for something like that. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So that brings us to content strategy overall, I guess, because we've thought before about, you know, I'm going to do this many posts on Facebook or I'm not using Facebook anymore. I'm doing Instagram and on Instagram, whichever portion of that platform you're using, Pinterest, you know, whatever it is, but not so much necessarily formalizing out what the content would look like. Obviously, we have promotion cycles depending on our product. There are holidays that come up that we tie into. But what would be your direction from someone who's starting with a blank slate product creator now for content strategy? I wanted to pause this discussion for a second to let you know that I recognize you may be feeling overwhelmed right now. I mean, I bring on great guests who are specialists in their fields. And we get into fabulous conversations that you know can help grow your business. So after the show, you have the full intention of grabbing a download, making an adjustment on your website, or any number of other ideas that arise as a result of this podcast. But what happens? You get back to your other activities and the momentum you once had gets lost. What you've planned to do is forgotten. Then you feel bad because your business is going on as usual without implementing anything that you know would help grow your business. We're just too busy doing all the things, like a robot, moving from one thing to another without thinking. Because we have to. I get it. I've been there. But guess what? There is another way. Since I recognized this exact behavior in my own business, I set out to do something about it. And now, what works for me, I'm sharing with you. I formalized the process, and it's called the Inspired Daily Planner, made specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. But it's not your ordinary planner. First off, it comes with a video explaining my productivity strategy. Plus, it's not dated, so you can start using your planner the second it arrives at your doorstep. And that's not all. Included for each day is a motivational message or business building tip and plenty of space to capture and book in time for to-dos, schedule appointments, and all those other ideas that are now getting lost. Think of it as a book and a planner all in one, yet compact enough to carry with you and resource as necessary. It's the perfect solution to truly act and move your business forward. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired to get your hard copy planner along with my power of purpose video that will set you on the path for true business growth. This makes a great gift too. So if you have a biz bestie, pick up a planner for them too. That link again is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired. Okay, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, 
I would definitely, you know, again, if you're starting any sort of business, any sort of e-commerce business, you have to have a strategy. Definitely adding in that. You do? <laughs> Can you repeat that one more time for everybody? <laughs> Yeah, definitely have a strategy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because again, like you have to make sure, like you said, you're hitting key moments in the year with holidays, sales, all of that. And so especially if you're using a content strategy, if you want to put more budget behind those particular things or launches too, if you want to have those particular things be more prevalent in your marketing, then you definitely need to set aside that time. I would at least give in terms of content marketing, at least two months ahead of time. One, so you can send out all the product, Make sure that you receive the content back on time and it's everything that you want edited wise. Because again, you're working with content creators. Yes, this is their job, but content creators are very challenging to work with sometimes because they don't necessarily understand the urgency of how quickly you need something back. And so if you're waiting till the last minute to get this stuff done, most likely you're probably going to miss that launch with the video using for them. So I would definitely make sure that you're planning ahead in terms of, okay, this is the year that I have. These are all the key moments in my year. I need to basically work backwards from that. And I would always give yourself buffer room because you're going to run into those moments when maybe you don't like the content. Maybe they need to reshoot it. Like there's different things that happen within the content creator flow that you always need to make sure you're having enough time to adjust if needed. So I would definitely make sure that you're laying everything out for the year and then working backwards. Well, and if I were doing this, I would put deadlines, you know, especially if you're paying somebody. Right. I need to have the images back along these guidelines by X date and then put a buffer in there to your point of, oh my gosh, can you shoot this from another angle or whatever the issue is, you know, if you need a little editing. Right. And that's something that when you're vetting out these content creators too, make sure that you do have revisions and always make sure that you're asking, what are the revision deadlines? How many revisions do I get? Do I get reshoots? Those are all things that you should be asking because yes, even though as a brand, you do have a deadline, like I said, content creators will shoot a lot of content and majority of them will do a good job and get what you need back on time, the more professional ones. But I have worked with content creators that it's like they just don't care that you need to hit a deadline. And so unfortunately, you miss deadlines as a brand and then you're kind of stuck because you need to get this content. So that's why I would just make sure like as you're vetting people out, read the contract, make sure that you're getting everything that you need and that you have specific deadlines, then also make sure you're giving yourself a buffer. And a plan B, especially if they're brand new. Yes, exactly. And then I'm guessing at some point, then you build your list of people that you feel comfortable with. Right. You want to know that when you're getting back the pictures, you're going to love them right. because they're representing your product. And once you get a couple of people in your lineup who you're liking, I guess, then you just go back to them all the time. Exactly. Yeah. If you start building your list of content creators who one, you know, are super reliable and they just get it, they get your product, they get your aesthetic, then definitely keep reaching out to those people. And a lot of times like creators, obviously they like to work with existing clients. Like they like to continue to work with the same clients. One, because it's for them, it's just a revenue stream that is constant. And two, like they're just always going to do a good job because they want to make you happy. And if you have a good relationship, it just makes it so much easier. 
True. So where do we find these golden content creators? <laughs> if you don't have anyone in mind, what do you do? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. I'll be honest. It's not easy. With last year, so many content creators popped up. I, I feel like everyone's a content creator now. So really, it's a lot of back end work on your side to get the people that you want to work with. A lot of times I'll make sure to get their portfolios. You can even ask them to reach out to past clients, see how they work with the client. Are they reliable? And I mean, really, it's a lot of obviously Instagram. You could literally search user-generated content, UGC on these platforms to find creators. TikTok is a great one to use. Again, it's a lot of outreach at the beginning. When you're saying content creators, are you looking for the same person to do the words as the images or are they two separate people? The words in terms of the but content, like if you're doing this for social, what the words are, that's separate. We're just right now talking about the images, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm also thinking just as I'm trying to brainstorm, if we're part of different women business organizations. Mm -hmm. You could potentially find people there. Definitely. Every local chamber and like small business group probably has a photographer, right? But not necessarily a product photographer. Oh, totally. Yes. Although if you gave them direction, maybe they could help you. But I'm also thinking of some of the larger online groups, like some of the women's groups that I'm part of definitely have photographers and I'd love to give them the business and you have that connection because you're part of the same group. Yeah, definitely. That would be another place to look. Yeah. And I would even say like, I have honestly reached out to people in my industry of who I, you know, not necessarily worked with, like not really competing against each other, but we are in the same realm of business. And I've reached out to them and said, Hey, like, is there anyone that you can suggest? I'd love to work with them, give them some more work. Basically, yeah. if you reach out to people who are in your industry, most of the time people are going to be fine giving you connects because mm -hmm. one, it's helping their business. It's a good referral. Maybe they have some sort of referral fee or something. So definitely reach out. Out to people who you know within your network. It can't hurt to ask. What do you think about using something like Upwork or one of those? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely use those. I mean, I don't have anything against Upwork. I mean, I think it's a great platform. It's definitely inexpensive. Again, I would just say, as you're looking through it, just make sure you're checking their content, checking their references, and that they're just good to work with. Right. Okay, back to our strategy. So we plan out for the calendar year, the specific points in time, maybe we have a product launch, you know, everybody based on their product has different times of the year that are important to mm -hmm. them. If you sell woolen sweaters, you're probably, you know, the spring is going to be your time, right? <laughs> yeah. Where is for weddings, wedding right. cakes. You know? So everyone has their different calendar. So you can't take someone else's calendar and state it as yours. You have to really think through your year. And then you were saying like, two months before something like that, start thinking of what the photo should be, outreach then. So you would have wanted to identify people earlier, yes. outreach them to get the photos in, and then you're able to go from there. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And then we've talked about, you know, if it's a customer circle back type thing, like a referral or something like that, that's an ongoing thing. Right. Yes. And you've shared with us a really good strategy about 50-50. Mm-hmm. What about a mix in terms of video versus carousels or just single posts or reels? Like, what do you think about that mixture? 
I mean, I would definitely focus more on video and reels. Video, again, it's such a huge, people are more interested in your stories and video than they are scrolling through your feed. I always tell people, you know, don't neglect your feed with photos because you still want that great looking carousel images or photography on your feed because if people go to your page, obviously they're going to scroll through and look at all that stuff. But in terms of video, I mean, video is definitely very important right now. Video is taking over social media and so and it's not going anywhere. It's getting more competitive with what people post. So I would definitely make sure that you're focusing heavily on video as well. And this always changes and it changes by platform. So once you have something set, just be aware, I guess, of different platforms, what's hot on one platform versus another. I like to say that there's always, especially if you're doing a lot of content for social media specifically, is have your experts on different platforms. So you've got everything covered because if something's super important, everybody at some point is going to talk about it. Right. <laughs> you know, So yeah. you don't have to follow a million people who are Instagram specialists versus having one who's Instagram and maybe one who's Pinterest or something like that. You yeah. know, just have people you tap into so you know, because I have heard recently that on Instagram, stagnant posts are getting bigger results right now than reels are. But that could be for like a neon second. Like, right. you know, it could be there for half a second and next week it'll be totally different. Exactly. And at some point you have to say, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to get things up and not just have to do the quote unquote right thing because then you'll never do anything. Yeah. And it's focus on the platform. The other thing too, is that because there's so many platforms, I feel like people look at all of them and are like, I need to post on every single one. And I need to make sure that I'm on every single platform. And I don't necessarily think that's true because you need to focus on the platform that is driving results. So let's say you're on Instagram and you're on TikTok. You're not really seeing a lot of growth. You're not really seeing a lot of engagement on TikTok. Maybe that's not the platform for you just focus on Instagram and Facebook. Same with Pinterest. Like if you're seeing more engagement results on Pinterest, maybe focus your efforts on Pinterest. I would say to brands, focus on a platform that's going to get you the results first, and then you can go into another platform and start learning that one. Because every platform is different. The way you post on the platforms is different. TikTok is very different from Instagram. There's a way to focus on that. There's a way to shoot content for that. So you just can't be a pro at all of them. <laughs> and so just really make sure you're focusing in on the ones that are working for you. And then don't stress about the other ones. That's truthfully my advice. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm also thinking, don't also just focus on the one that you like the best. You need to focus on where your customers are. Yes, exactly. For personal, you can focus wherever you want. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. When I first heard that, it just made me feel so much better. You know, yeah. like just one platform, get your strategy down, get consistent, know what you're doing there, and then layer another one on from there. Right. And go that way. So much easier. Yes. And I mean, really, when you think about it, it's like, they're not going anywhere. The platforms are only getting bigger. So it's like, again, like just focus on the one that you're doing the best on, and then you can start working on another strategy. Yeah. And if you have someone who's part of your business team, like let's say you have someone younger who is like an Instagram whiz, doesn't mind even being on video because it doesn't need to be you. Right. Use them for that, you know, exactly. for a portion of your social media strategy. It doesn't only have to be you. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. 
What do you think when we're talking about content? What do you think about the actual images themselves? Should they only be product specific images? Should they be lifestyle images? What about if I'm out at a craft show? Should I have someone come and professionally video that show for me? Or what do you think about all those different types of content imagery? Yeah. I mean, if you can afford that, I would definitely say do it. I mean, again, it can't hurt you. I would, again, always have a mixture of organic looking content where it's people taking photos with it, you taking photos, professional photos. Again, I think it depends on the brand. It depends on the product. It depends on how you want your feed to look. But I would say, you know, obviously the more images you have or the more the variety you have, it just shows, again, people using the product, people, a nice photo of the product. I would just say making sure that you have a variety of photos because really at the end of the day, it's only going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And then you can really see like what's resonating with people as you're posting these. Truthfully, that's how I would go. I would just diversify all of it. Okay. And you still want to stay on brand. Like you don't want one picture to be really bright light and the next one in a dim, dark place or (laughs) or a really blurry picture or something like that. So quality and consistency of the images, like not a different filter on every photo, exactly. like none of that. So it all still looks like your own brand, right? Right, exactly. All right. So consistency with the images, the way things are looking, the way you word things should be similar too. Like you can't show up as one type of a voice and then be another voice. But all of this is things that we know too with regard to social media and content creation. Right, exactly. So you're talking about how you know whether what you're doing is performing for you. How do you analyze a post to determine that? A post or a video or whatever you're putting up. Yeah. So if you have a business account on Instagram, you can go in and measure your analytics. And so one of the biggest things to view is what's the engagement on it? How many impressions are we getting? Are we reaching new audiences? The Instagram platform in terms of analytics, they have a lot of great resources. If you're running on a platform to uh, some of the other platforms like Planoly or Later, those ones also have a lot of engagement metrics too. But I mean, you can see, are people commenting? Are people resharing? Exact, like exact, Again, what are what's the engagement metrics that people are having? And then you can see, okay, this post maybe only got, I don't know, like 100 sessions or engagement, whereas like another video or photo maybe got 300. So it's like that sort of content you can start to look at and see how people are responding. And then you can kind of restructure your strategy of, okay, well, this is starting to work. Maybe I start posting similar things to this. I wouldn't go all in on that. I would just start trickling those in and then seeing again, like, how is this working? You know, it's an iteration of what was performing. Again, the algorithm changes so much on Instagram. Sometimes it's really hard to under, like to make it effective. But I think as long as you're getting those shares, comments, likes, like those are all things that are really good metrics to look at so that you know how my posts are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other thing is if you have a post, especially with a video that you've paid for be- creating, right? and it's worked really well, I know that you can repost that after a certain amount of time. So it doesn't have to be like a one and done type thing either. Definitely. You can put it in different places, like you could put it in Pinterest and on some social sites, but then you can also, let's say it was six months ago, you can bring that up again 
and post it as a new post too. Definitely. And on, you know, let's say reels or stories, I mean, you can even add a new thumbnail, which again, when you're scrolling through the feed, it looks different, even though it's the same video, people are still going to interact with it because it's like, oh, it's a new post. And people that maybe didn't come six months ago will think it's something completely new. Right. You know, again, when you're putting forth the money, it's not a one and done type thing. You can think of other ways you can use it. Right. Snippets of a fuller video, reposting that founder's video we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. can go up on social over and over again because you get brand new people following and unfollowing all the time. Right. It's not like everybody who saw it the first time is like, oh, well, I already saw this. You know, it's going to be new people. And some people who saw it before get to see it again. And probably pick up something different. So all of that is good and makes this worthwhile, the whole point in investing in content creation. Right, exactly. Okay, what would you say overall to someone who hasn't really thought about it this way yet? Because I guarantee you, Lauren, there are a lot of people who it is like on the fly. Like this week, oh my gosh, I'm launching my new product out. Or, you know what? I think I'll show everybody what I'm making this week. And then they just, you know, it's an afterthought. The content creation is an afterthought. Right. What's the value of planning, putting some structure behind it, as we've been talking about today? I mean, the more thought and planning and structuring you have, just the better results you're going to get. I do think, yes, you can get good results on the fly. But if you have an actual strategy set in place, I just think you're going to get more for your money, you know, more out of the content. And it's just eventually it's just going to start performing better because there's a strategy behind it. And so that's the biggest thing that I think anyone could take away is that if you're starting with content, sit down, take the time, create a content strategy, because really at the end of the day, it's only going to help you. Yeah. Have a plan, execute the plan. Yes. Repeat what's working, add in other things and go from there. Exactly. Well said, Lauren. That was fabulous. (laughs) Share with us more about what you offer within your business so everyone who's listening knows more about what you do. We mostly work with e-commerce brands. We do all of their paid social. So again, we do the ads for all platforms, but then we also do shoot content for brands as well. So we have organic content that we shoot and we also shoot content for paid social. So we are essentially just a creative partner for brands to really help execute any sort of content strategy they're looking for organic and paid to really help them level up their creative. Wonderful. And where can people find you? So the website is The Loft 325 and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Loft 325. Perfect, Lauren. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of your expert advice and guiding us through this new world of user-generated content. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Sue. (laughs) So what do you think? If you've never considered user-generated content before, I encourage you to take a step in this direction, even if it's a small one. Invite people to take a photo of how they're using your product and tag you on Instagram or in an after-purchase email, ask for a product review. These are easy things to integrate into your normal processes that can bring in user-generated content naturally. I mentioned in this episode my daughter-in-law, Brie, and her experience working with photographers nationwide to create images for social media. You can listen to that episode for more details on how to set up your process in episode number 164. 
If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support, too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick, and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you. (laughs) Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. Got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 